Hi, this is Mark Van Oost, the host and Bible teacher on the Daily in Christ podcast. We're going to go forward with our teaching for today on the Blessed Beyond Imagination series, part 15. But before we start that, I thought I'd take this moment before the episode to share what's on my heart. As I'm recording this, this is Wednesday, March the 25th, 2020, and we're in the midst of a pandemic in the world known as the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, and things are shut down all over the United States and throughout the world, and there is understandably a lot of concern, a lot of fear, and so I In this crisis, being a Christian communicator and teacher, I said to the Lord, what shall I communicate to the body of Christ in this time? What can I do to get our attention off of being focused on the problem? And believe me, there are many problems, not just the pandemic, but people losing their jobs, wondering how they're going to pay bills. There is a lot of problems. And one answer to that prayer that God gave was uh, recently he helped me to put together uh, something called This King. It was in written form, and that's on the dailyinchrist.org website. But also I recorded that, and it is actually in episode 85 of this uh, podcast. So look that up if you haven't heard it already. It's incredibly encouraging. Episode 85 of the Daily in Christ podcast called This King. And um, just in summation, coronavirus, the word corona means crown, like a king. And this king has certainly been trying to take over the world, but there is a greater and higher king, and that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king, and this king, the Lord Jesus Christ, overrules all, whether it's uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, or Ebola, or SARS, or MERS, or whatever you can think of, he reigns supremely. So if you haven't heard that, please do uh, look it up. It's available for free, either through our website or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 85 of the Daily in Christ podcast titled This King. Here I am wrapping up a series called Blessed Beyond Imagination, and I was really seriously considering pausing the series uh, to do something that would address what the Bible has to say about dealing with crises like this uh, coronavirus COVID-19 situation. And the Lord interrupted my thought process and said, no, Mark, stay the course with the Blessed Beyond Imagination series. In fact, it communicated very clearly that the people of God now more than ever need to understand and know how very richly God has indeed blessed them. That's what he communicated to me. And he said that we need to operate out of the reality of being already blessed beyond imagination because that is really who we are. It's what we are, as opposed to the world's taking up, you know, taking up the world's 
cursed mentality of deprivation, of panic, of trusting in man instead of trusting in God for the answers and deliverance, and thinking that we are a victim of coronavirus or a victim of a crashed economy or a victim of a lost job or a victim of whatever, and not the more than conquerors that we really are through him who loved us, Romans 8.37. We are not victims. We are victors. That's what the Word of God says, and you can see it in many places, but particularly there in Romans chapter 8. Here's the bottom line. We would be in a terrible, terrible place as individuals, as a nation, as a world, if we were dealing with this pandemic or whatever big crisis, and there was no God. Think how awful it would be if there was no God. We would be at the mercy of this disease, economic catastrophe, and all else that is ruined by this pandemic. It would be awful. But the reality is there is God. Say it with me. There is God. He is And listen, he is good and he rules sovereignly over all. God is now. We must never take up the God-less mentality of the world. God is. God is. God is. And you know, he revealed himself to his servant Moses long ago. Remember at the burning bush in the desert, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 3, God revealed his great name to his servant Moses, who said, who shall I say sent me when, you know, he was to return back to Egypt? And God said this this to him, I am that I am. And then God gave Moses marching orders to go back to Egypt to confront the most powerful ruler on earth and, as if that wasn't difficult enough, to deliver over two million people out of Egypt who didn't want to leave in the first place. You see, that's the power of God's I am. Hallelujah. That makes all the difference in the world. He is He is here. Yes, even in this darkness, he is here right now. So why should I plow ahead with a series on the blessings of God in the midst of this dark, dark crisis? Because God still and always will be a blessing God. That's who he is. Hey, Do you realize that God gave, of course, the blessing to Abraham, right? Do you know that there was a famine in the time of Abraham? That's right. He also, by extension, gave the blessing to the heirs of Abraham. And so Isaac, do you know, he experienced a famine. And so did Jacob. And so did Joseph. Remember, Joseph ended up through a series of very unfortunate circumstances In Egypt, where he was installed as prime minister, God gave him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream and a plan to save not only the nation of Egypt in a terrible 
famine, but also his own family and by extension the nation of Israel and therefore the lineage of none other than our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has operated frequently in the times of famine. And famine, look, it isn't just applying to crops. It refers to having, not having anything. And God shows up in great, great blessing because he is a blessing God. Whether it's a famine, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's pandemic, whatever the situation is, he is still a blessing God. And that is who he is. And he blesses, dear friend, because he can't help it. You see, this dives right into the very heart of God. His goodness is the ground zero of his essence. Later on in Moses' life, the Lord um, had a profound meeting with his servant. And Moses prayed to the Lord, show me thy glory. This is recorded in Exodus chapter 33 at the end of the chapter. And then, beginning about verse 18, and then in Exodus 34, beginning in verse 6, we read this. And the Lord positioned him in the cleft of the rock. He said, you can't see the front of me. You can only see the back part of me because of the intense glory of his face. And then it says this in verse 6, listen. And the Lord, and by the way, that all capitals, L-O-R-D, actually is Jehovah. And Jehovah, or Yahweh, is the Hebrew name I am. So the same name that was given to Moses earlier in Exodus chapter 3, before he even set back out to Egypt, I am, is Jehovah. And uh, you'll find it in your English Bible probably as L-O-R-D, all caps. And that's what it says right here in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. And the Lord, I'll just say Jehovah, so you know, passed before him and proclaimed the Lord Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and listen to this, abounding in goodness and truth. Abounding in goodness and truth. That is our God. The ground zero of his essence is his holy goodness. And so, dear friend, the Lord made it very clear that he wanted me to continue with this series, wrap it up, not let anything interrupt it anymore. And um, he also pointed out 3 John 2.2, which says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. (laughs) That's a good word for where we are right now, man. In a pandemic, health. Yes, amen, I received that. And prospering in all things. Not just getting by, but prospering. I heard a brother in the Lord say this. He said, you know, that prayer in the Lord's Prayer where we say, give us this day our daily bread, that's an old covenant prayer. He said, I don't want daily bread. He said, I'm a rightful heir. I'm a son of God. I don't want bread. I don't want my daily bread. I want my full inheritance. Why? Because that blessing not only takes care of your needs, but an overflow to bless others. So, 
3 John 2, 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, watch this, just as your soul prospers. You see, physical prosperity is the direct result of soul prosperity. And the Bible is very clear that the physical realm is dictated by the spiritual realm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, it says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Dear friend, you know, when we're in a crisis, the physical circumstances just scream for our attention, but we have to stop. We have to rest a while. You know what it says there in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down Beside the still waters, yes, that's the experience with God. And yes, that's what God wants us to experience. For we do not, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Dear friend, you and I, and I'm in this list, need to turn off CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever, turn off those scary YouTube videos and turn up, listen, turn up the word of God. Look, man doesn't know what they're doing. They have no idea what's happening. It's all guesswork. And they fill hour after hour after hour with God-less conjecture. You notice how I said that? God-less they don't ever mention God. They never mention his word. So why are we tuned into that? If the spiritual is indeed dictating the physical, then wouldn't it be wise to strengthen the spiritual? Why, of course. And dear friend, remember this great verse of ultimate prosperity. That's it, I said it. Ultimate prosperity, yes, even in these difficult times. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says this, and God is able. Now, we know how unable we are. All we can think about is our inability. I can't pay my bills now. How am I going to survive this thing? How am I going to survive what may happen with this thing if I get it? No, it's not about how able you are, how strong and how great and how awesome you are. It's about God's ability. And God is able to make all grace, all grace, abound toward you, that you, yes, you right over there listening, you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Oh, let me say that again. <laughs> and let's personalize it. Second Corinthians 9, 8, you should have this memorized. And God is able, God is able to make all grace abound toward me, that I, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. You see, wrapped up in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is not just blessing and overflow for you, 
but also, and I said overflow, an overflow for others. So without any further ado, let's move ahead with the content that I've already recorded for uh, part 15 of Blessed Beyond Imagination. Dear listening friend, God has already richly blessed every single believer, including you, beyond imagination. But most Christians have almost no idea just how much God has already blessed them in Christ. Coming up, more of the incredible in Christ realities for every believer next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. You know, I was just thinking about the fact how richly blessed we truly are. And this is a reflection of the loving heart of God the Father. Yes, He loves us that much. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you see the connection? That's another in Christ reality. We are blessed with every single uh, blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And the result of that blessing is that we bless God. We honor him. We glorify God that much and that powerfully. Well, I am excited about continuing in our exploration of these powerful truths about who every single child of God is because we are in Christ. And remember how we've been going along here in the second part of this uh, series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. We've been talking about people in the Bible who were blessed beyond imagination, incredibly blessed, not because they were so good or had their act together, in some cases contrary to them, but because of the goodness of God. This is a reflection of the heart of our Heavenly Father. Yes, He's a blessing God. And uh, last time, we laid out the point that you can know what it is that you already have because of who you're in. You are in Christ. And this is not in a position. This is not in a privilege. This is not in a identity. No, you are in a person, a living person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why every Man, woman, and child who is in Christ is in fact in Christ, as 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, of God are you in Christ. And then it says that he has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. Well, we're going to continue with these incredible in Christ realities. And friend, this speaks about who you really are. Don't assess yourself 
and who you are based on what you see in the mirror, based on what other people have said, whether they say it now or they said it in your past. And a lot of us have been hurt in one way or another that way. But because of what our loving Heavenly Father says, laid out in the Word. And remember how you find these, these truths about new creation realities. Go into your Bible, the New Testament, look up all those verses that say, in Christ or in Him or through Him or through Christ or because of Christ or because of Him, all of those sort of verses, there's almost 200 of them. They're the ones who speak, dear friend, about who you and I really are in Christ. Now, the last time as we ended, we are in Romans chapter 6, and the realities that we have been, uh, by God, baptized into Christ. By the way, that's not water baptism. That is when the Holy Spirit of God baptized, immersed us into Christ. That's being born again. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that. Uh, When we're water baptized, that is the uh, thing that happens in the context of the church that is an outward testimony of the reality of the Spirit having baptized us into Christ. We are in Christ because of the Father's doing, and in union with him, I raise the question, how can we be in Christ and not be in all that he is and has? As a son, as a firstborn child, as the rightful heir of all. And Romans 6 connects those dots and says that uh, Our union with Christ, we're already in union with Christ since we've been born again. We were united with him in his death. How did he die? He died crucified. And Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, we have been crucified with Christ. That's echoed again in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, verse 3. You died with Christ. And just as much as he really died, dear friend, you, the old sinner, you, the old sinning sinner, you died together with him. Now, today we're going to start by looking at the reality that we have been raised together with Christ. And this is, man, this is really good stuff. In Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 2 declares that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has already made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Now this, I want to tell you, and I'm actually doing these as I'm sharing these in Christ realities. As you find these verses, like for instance, Romans 8, 2, that says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, what you want to do is take that verse and personalize it. And so the way that would apply uh, would be to say Romans 8, 2 like this, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has already made me free from the law of sin and death. See how powerful that is? It's like, woo, that that really does something powerful for me. That's the truth. When we personalize the truth of these in Christ realities, it is so much more powerful. And that is what I have done. All right, that's in Romans 8 too. John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16, but it says, you know, in Christ, we already have 
everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him, that's one of those in him realities, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know that everlasting life is more than simply life that never ends? Thank God for that. But everlasting life is life in the dimension of God's life. Wow. Powerful resurrection life. That's what every single believer has in Christ. Another in Christ reality in Acts 17 verse 28, in Christ we now live and move and have our being. That's an in him verse that says in him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17 verse 28. The reality is this isn't living for God. You know, God really isn't interested in you living for him. He wants you living from him. Jesus Christ revealed to his disciples in the upper room on the night he was betrayed. We find this in John 14, 6. Here's what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. And that was in response to his disciples asking him. uh, They were hearing Jesus speaking about going to the Father. And they said, well, how, how can we get to the Father? He said, I am the way. It's not how. The question is not how. The answer is who. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That's in John 14, 6. And that's an extension to what we've been sharing in Acts 17, 28, that we live and move and even have our being because of him. In Christ, the Bible says that we are no longer condemned. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. No longer condemned. Do you know that condemnation is a legal term? It's the idea of a person who's been brought before the justice, bar of justice, who's been accused of wrong, found to have committed the crime, and stands condemned. Condemnation in the Bible is not a feeling. And by the way, the devil can never condemn you. That would put the devil in the case place of a judge. He is not. He's the accuser of the brethren. He is not a condemner. It says in Romans chapter 8, further down, and let me go ahead and uh, bring this uh, powerful scripture verse up. Romans chapter 8, Beginning in verse 31, I believe. Uh, Actually, verse 34. Who is he who condemns? And remember what Jesus said. He said, the Father has entrusted all judgment to me. Who is he who condemns? It's not the devil. It's not your stinking thinking. It's not anybody else. It is is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who has the right to condemn. But listen to this. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow. Romans 8.34. The very person who has the legal right to judge us and rightfully do so and condemn us is the one 
who paid it all, who shed the blood, who gave his life as a ransom for us. That is the reason why, that's the whole basis why we are no longer condemned in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. In Christ, we are no longer condemned. Now, here's something powerful. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says that in Christ, we are already no longer a slave to sin. Hey, I didn't say that. God said in his word, Romans chapter 6, verse 6, we are no longer a slave to sin. You know, I think one of the most painful things I hear in teaching in the church today is that people are in bondage to sin. I'm going to say something that's going to seem controversial, but I want to be biblical and let the chips fall where they may. One of the biggest problems there is with these various 12-step programs, for instance, Alcoholics Anonymous, is that people have to identify themselves with their bondage. Uh, They'll say, uh, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. The believer cannot be in that class. You are no longer a slave of sin. Your identity is no longer with your sin. Your identity is with your Savior. This is so important, and I think one of the reasons why so many Christians struggle with sins is because they, they think they're in bondage to sin. You were, but you aren't anymore. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like we said last time, that's a ransom that rescues you from sin, self, and Satan. And you've been brought into the kingdom of God. You belong not to the devil, not to your sin, not to your habit. You belong to God. Romans 6, 6, you are no longer a slave to sin. Listen to this, Romans 6, 8, but you are a slave of righteousness. And that's all because, not because of your behavior, but because you are in Christ. Of God are you in Christ. Here is another one, somewhat related. Do you know that in Christ, we, every single person in Christ, is already called out of darkness into his marvelous light? 2 Peter 2.9. Wow, we are no longer in the realm of darkness. You know, I think of Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, where it's, it's, there's such dark verses that speak about the condition of fallen man. And it says in verse 3 that, uh, 2, Ephesians 2, 1 to 2, it says that uh, following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the others. You know, we were creatures of the darkness, but God has called us out of darkness. Remember, we talked about the calling of God in the previous episode, not a you-hoo kind of call, but the summons that commands our destiny. Almighty God, through Christ, has already called you out of darkness, and you are in his marvelous light. 2 Peter 2.9. Here's another in Christ reality. In Christ... We are totally and perfectly sanctified and holy. 
That's in uh, Hebrews 10.10, 10, 1 Corinthians 1.2, 1 Corinthians 1.30, many other places. Now, this is something that is contrary to what the majority of the church today teaches, contrary to what religion teaches. What religion teaches you is they'll recognize, yeah, we see these verses that speak about you being sanctified, but now there's also a process of sanctification. No, dear friend, that is wrong. And then you've got other people from the Wesleyan sort of background that speak of a second experience of grace after you're born again, where you receive entire sanctification. Both of those positions are biblically wrong. You heard me say it right. They're wrong. Every single child of God is already totally and perfectly sanctified and holy. And the idea of holy does not mean good or clean behavior. The idea of holiness with regard to God means that he is totally separate. He's totally other. He is is God and you are not. He is transcendent as God above and beyond his creation. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, holiness with regard to us is something that you don't do to yourself. Rather, it is something that God himself does and the idea of holiness in the in in God's mind biblically means to set apart on one hand setting apart from the common and the profane and the second part is separated onto God the idea is that we no longer belong to the darkness we no longer belong to the devil we don't even belong to ourselves 1 Corinthians chapter 6 we belong to God And in Hebrews chapter 10, here's what we see beginning in verse 8. It says this, Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, this is speaking of Jesus, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Now watch this, verse 10. By that will. Whose will? Your will? Your striving? Your struggling? No way. It is by the will of the Lord Jesus Christ who is perfect and perfectly holy by that will. Him saying, Behold, Father, I have come to do your will, O God. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now you see a little bit of lesson in Greek. You realize that the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. And the verbs have different uh tenses. And there is this tense known as the Greek perfect tense. And the Greek perfect tense refers to an action that has already been done completely, never to be repeated again. Now it has, as a result of that sense of already being done, it has benefit for now. For instance, you can have a person who says, yes, me and my wife were married, uh, you know, 1988. 
they're not getting married again and again and again and again. No, they were married back in 1988. But are they still married? Yes. So they're in that state of being married. The, that's like the perfect tense. The perfect tense is what has been used here, where it says, we have been sanctified perfectly, completely, not a process as religion would treat, treat it. It is an action definitively done by God himself, where he has set us apart as his own. Dear friend, you have already been perfectly sanctified and made holy. And if that's still bothering you, I want to encourage you to listen to my teaching series called um, Living in the Reality of Perfect Sanctification. You'll find that at our website under the series menu, Living in the Reality of Perfect Sanctification. It's a very biblical concept I share over a hundred verses that make this case very clear. Well, that's not my purpose here. I need to move on. Uh, another in Christ reality is this one from 1 Corinthians one thirty. It says this, in Christ we are already righteous. And, and, and it also says that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 1 Corinthians one thirty. it says that Christ has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness. And oh, by the way, sanctification The reason why we have perfect sanctification is the one himself who is our sanctification is perfectly sanctified. Well, I sort of digress, but he's also our righteousness. And then over in 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is so good. It says, he who knew no sin was made sin that we would become in him the righteousness of God in Christ. We are already the righteousness of God. Why? Because Jesus was made into something he was not, sin, so that you and I would be made unto who we were not, righteous. Well, study that, look into that for yourself. Another in Christ reality. In Christ, we are already always led in triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14. We're not fumbling around, stumbling around. No, we are in Christ and we are being led in triumph. Related verse to this is over in Romans 8.37, which declares that in Christ, we are already more than conquerors through him who loved us. Wow, more than conquerors. You know, you can win a game by one point. You could even win a battle by just barely defeating the enemy. You could even win a war by winning in one more battle. We're not talking about winning in a game um, or, or becoming a champion or, or a victor. This says that we are already more than conquerors through him who loved us. Wow, there's the key right there. Through Christ. One of those identifiers of in Christ realities is the through statements. Through him or through Christ. And right there in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we see one. Another in Christ reality. In Christ we are already no longer cursed, but blessed, even with the blessing of Abraham. Galatians three thirteen to fourteen. It says there that Jesus was made a curse, that we would receive the blessing of Abraham, and that has happened all 
because we are in Christ. Can you imagine the Lord was made a curse that you, dear friend, could be blessed? Why live with a curse mentality? Why live with a curse attitude? You're not cursed, dear friend. You are blessed. That is the heart of our Father God. Here's another reality. 1 John 3, 5. In Christ, our sins are already taken away. You know, in the old covenant, the sins were covered. They weren't removed. They were covered. It was a temporary thing because the blood was the blood of bulls and goats. It wasn't the blood of our perfect Savior, the perfect Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And under the new covenant, our sins are not covered over any longer. Rather, our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west, as it says in uh, Psalm 103. We have had our sins taken away, 1 John 3, 5. Here's another in Christ reality. In Christ, we are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. You know, that verse launches us in, if you go through Ephesians chapter 1 and then chapter 2 and chapter 3, into this parade of blessings, veritable triumph and sequence of blessings, one after another, being chosen, being adopted, being forgiven, uh, being redeemed, blessed, given an inheritance, on and on it goes. All of those spiritual blessings are because we are in Christ. And remember, dear friend, 1 Corinthians one thirty: of God are you in Christ. The reason why you're in Christ isn't because you're so good or I'm so good, but because God is that good and that generous of a blessing God. In Christ, here's another reality. We already are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And the the Greek word for complete is the Greek word pleuro. It means to be full. Think of a glass that's filled up to the brim and running over. That's the idea of pleuro. You are that in an experience of overabundance in him. Here's what Colossians 9 and 10 has to say. First verse 9 says this, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Think about that. All of the fullness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all of that is dwells, lives in Christ bodily. And I think most believers would say, yes, that's true. But do they understand verse 10? As a consequence of what's there in verse 9, it says this, and you are complete in him. There it is. One of those in Christ's realities in verses. We are complete, full, in an abundance, flowing over, complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Wow, God really nails it in that one. Colossians 2.10. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, In Christ we already are seated with Christ right now in the heavenly places. That's what it says in Ephesians 2, 6. You know, I was talking actually to a pastor one time and relating this when I, I was trying to 
to say, this is not positional truth. We're not in a position. We're in Christ. He goes, well, I don't understand. How can I be seated in the heavenly places in Christ there and be down here in my office on earth? His mistake was trying to understand a spiritual truth carnally. The Bible says, in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly places. I don't know how that works. But I'm not going to miss out in that blessing just because I don't understand it. There's a lot of things in life I don't understand, but I enjoy, you know. I don't know how a computer works. I mean, I sort of understand how it works, but I don't have to understand completely how it works in order to enjoy it. Yeah, I understand the idea of thermodynamics, but I don't understand everything about flying an airplane. Well, that doesn't mean I can't be a passenger and enjoy the flight. We are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. And this is related. Ephesians 1.6 says that we are already highly favored in the beloved. That's the literal Greek, and that's a consequence. Do you know that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father? And that position biblically means the most and highly favored position. Dear friend, you are in Christ because of God's doing. Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So are you seated at that right hand in the heavenly places. We are already highly favored and already blessed. Wow, where does time go? It just seems to fly by so quickly. We're going to continue on this journey as we uh, begin to head out for the completion of this series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. Dear friend, I want you to, if you're blessed by the Daily in Christ podcast, would you please tell it to a few good friends? I honestly believe that you are the best advertising. Nothing beats somebody who's been enriched by something and blessed by something, sharing it with their friends, sharing it with their family. Would you do that favor? If God is using this podcast in your life, please let other people know. Uh, Tell them about the Daily in Christ uh, website, dailyinchrist.org. Let them know they can download the podcast virtually everywhere the podcasts are available. Uh, The Daily in Christ podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate it. Dear friend, always remember, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him.